Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Woodbridge going to join us here in a few minutes. We'll talk to Woody about uh, about life and uh, see what's uh, going on in the Marine Corps Gazette. We'll get his thoughts on the latest uh, developments in terms of testimony from uh, Marine Corps general officers on the sinking of an AAV. We'll get his uh, thoughts on... Uh, General Milley's uh, comments relative to ending his pushback on a separate convening authority and arbiter of sexual assault uh, allegations and charges. Uh, and we'll find out what's going on in this month's Marine Corps Gazette. So uh, all of that. All of that jammed into one exciting uh, radio program this morning. Yeah, so you got that going for you. The um, So the sun comes up today, and 
I wake up and I start looking at my phone and I, um, and people are, are emailing me stories, right? And, uh, the the most emailed story to me this morning was headline from ABC News Eddie Gallagher's shocking claim that seals intended for the detainee to die so uh interesting stuff because it comes on the heels last week of a CBS uh news report um done by CBS's Catherine Herridge, who's, uh, as I've said on this program before, uh, one of my favorite reporters because she seems to take her profession seriously and she reports news. And so um, she had, if you haven't seen it, if you go to the post from yesterday, um, you'll see it. Uh, You'll see a picture of the seals and you can see them wearing hooded sweatshirts, masks, and and sunglasses to hide their own identity. And at the end of the interview, she asks them, what do you want people to know? And one of them says, we need help. And so on the heels of that, you have um, Eddie Gallagher back in the news. And this is a story from ABC News. Former Navy SEAL Eddie Gallagher, who was found guilt, not guilty of the charge of murder in the death of a young Islamic State detainee in Iraq in 2017, has made the bombshell allegation that the detainee died as part of a plan to practice medical procedures on him and that his fellow SEALs had all agreed to the idea. Gallagher, the senior enlisted leader of his platoon and a medic, provided medical care to the detainee, including the insertion of a breathing tube to his throat, but denied allegations that the detainee died after he stabbed him. Until now, Gallagher has maintained his innocence and alleged that disgruntled members of his platoon had stepped forward with allegations of misconduct to frame him. Well, I thought everybody was in agreement that this guy should be killed. Quote, the grain of truth, this is Gallagher speaking, in the podcast. Uh, the Apple, it's a, uh, it's a podcast called The Line, hoping, oh, uh, hosted by a guy named Dan Tabersky. Quote, the grain of truth in the whole thing is that that ISIS fighter was killed by us and that nobody at the time had any problem with it. Quote, he goes on, we killed that guy. Our intention was to kill him. Everybody was on board. It was to do medical scenarios on him until he died. He was going to die regardless. Everybody knew what was going on. That's the only truthful thing to this whole process. And then the rest of it, 
just as like a bunch of contorted lies to like pin the whole scenario on me. The article goes on. Gallagher also maintained that he never stabbed the detainee. Quote, that dude died from all the medical treatments that were done, and there's plenty of medical treatments that were done on him. And then the article goes on to recant certain things were, that were brought up um, during the trial. Gallagher explained on the podcast that the only reason why he performed the life-saving procedure of inserting a breathing tube in the detainee's throat was just for practice. Quote, I was practicing to see how fast I could do one, he told the podcast. Amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. And let me get, and then it it gets reaction from um, somebody else. Gallagher's new claims are unsettling to Eric Olerich, a former commander of a Navy SEAL team platoon and an ABC News con- contributor. Quote, the moral obligation is that if you have an enemy combatant, you've got to take care of them. Ulrich said, there is a legal requirement to keep them alive. You only treat a patient to save their life, said Ulrich. You don't treat them as live tissue medical treatments. So, um, yeah, you, you and, and, and you know what, what's interesting, I think, about all this is the arrogance, right? He got away with murder. And he did though did so with the support of the president of the United States, and that arrogance is now on full display here. So I wonder, as people look at this inside the DOD, if he could be recalled to active duty, charged with another crime based on his own admission, and resentenced. Because, again, when you look at these two things in tandem, I mean, it's on the, the SEAL culture is on full display this last two weeks. You have guys like Eddie Gallagher with impunity sticking it in people's face. And he's lying about it when he says everybody was on board. He's lying about that. And now you're going to see, see the fallout for the next few days. Um, so, um, yeah, pretty, I mean, (laughs) amazing, amazing. And so, you know, that guy, you know, I don't know if he needs the money and he's got to go out and, and do things like this to make money for himself, but it's, uh, it's pretty gross to be honest with you. Uh, but that, uh, that dominating the news this morning. So. And again, I don't know how many different reviews of the special operations community say, yeah, there's no cultural problem here. Right. Anyway, 
Um, so good morning to everybody. The United States Marine Corps Band makes this morning official. Chris Woodbridge will join us here in a little bit. Good morning to you. This is dedicated to the good Navy SEALs, to the guys who went on the uh, on uh, CBS News last week, uh, to uh, to those who uh, are trying to do the right thing, and uh, keep doing that. In the end, you will prevail. And uh, although, again, the cultural problems that they have, you know, are uh, are not small problems. So, um, good luck to you and, uh, keep up the fight. And at the end of the day, right, doing the right thing is more important than, you know, continuing, you know, your life as a Navy SEAL. You have to put your head on your pillow for the rest of your life. And that's a serious, uh, that's a serious thing. So do the right thing. And if you have to part ways with the organization over that, then so be it. But, uh, God bless you for what you're doing. Uh, God bless you for standing up for what is right. And and really, what is the true credo of what it has always been to be a United States Navy SEAL? So don't back off the, from that. And if uh, they tell you that, hey, your time's up, we don't need you anymore, then so be it. You'll put your head on your on your pillow for the rest of your life, and you'll sleep well.
you're betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well <clears throat> i'm very confident that thank you very much <clears throat> if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech <clears throat> <clears throat> but I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore, so young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day, and Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds and win. You gotta win. We'll check the weather around Marine Land, then we'll check a few news headlines, and Chris Woodbridge will join us. Around Marine Land, currently partly sunny and 71 in Quantico. Down the coast in North Carolina, Camp Lejeune, it is partly sunny in 83. Nine Palms, sunny in 76 already. Camp Pendleton, foggy in 60. Camp Smith in Hawaii, dark cloudy in 71. Okinawa, dark cloudy 72. Darwin, dark clear in 74. All-time low for Darwin. And in Norway, it is raining in 38 degrees. Yeah, yeah not so much summer there. Uh, in the home of Auburn Marine Radio, look for a high. It is what currents are. Cloudy in 62. Looking for a high of 74 degrees today with partly sunny skies. 70 on Thursday, 68 on Friday, 69 on Saturday, and 69 on Sunday. So, mild weather. That is a look at your weather right now. Um, we got about 10 minutes. Let me, let's go to the news. Top story in, uh, in Stars and Stripes today is... Pentagon wants to take a harder line on domestic extremism. How far can it go? Let's see. On domestic extremism. Well, I think you have to define extremism, don't you? So, I guess if it breaks a law, what does that have to do with the Pentagon? Right? So I guess we're talking about, well, let's see. Pentagon officials are considering new restrictions on service members' interactions with far-right groups. Hmm. I Don't you have to define what extremism is? And then, then whether it's far left, far right, far middle, it's, that is irrelevant? Isn't that the way that should work? part of the military's reckoning with extremism. But the measures could trigger legal challenges from critics who say that would violate the First Amendment. Yeah, I I don't think it becomes a thing until it becomes a crime, right? Under a review launched by Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, Defense Department officials are re-examining rules governing troops' affiliations with anti-government and white supremacist movements while ties that ties currently are permissible, 
in limited circumstances. Austin, who has pledged zero tolerance for extremism. But again, the only thing that when you hear extremism, you hear uh, alt-right, right? What about all the other forms of extremism that exist in the country? Hmm. A newly formed task force, which includes officials from across the DOD, has until July to make recommendations on potential changes to military justice, rules on extremism, and related issues that apply to uniformed military personnel. Hmm. One step the task force is examining would alter a regulation that prohibits troops' active participation in extremist organizations. Activities such as fundraising, attending rallies, and distributing propaganda. But permits that officials have called passive membership, but permits what officials have called passive membership, which could include being admitted to groups or possessing their literature. Yeah, I think in a country that has a First Amendment, I'm not sure that you can do that. So rest assured, that will wind up in court. How do you think that would be received if it was aimed at left-wing groups? I think you would see the ACLU screaming and, and whatnot. So it's interesting. Interesting. The Space Command is tracking Chinese rocket junk that's careening wildly towards Earth. This story had been in the news for a few days. And um, evidently this thing weighs about 20 tons. And it's going to land anywhere from New York City to, you know, to New Zealand. So that in the news. There's a gel under development that could improve battlefield wound treatment, according to military researchers. Um, I will tell you this: one of the um, one of the great advancements in uh, in technology is if you look at a first aid kit. If you haven't been in the military, you know, in in a while, the first aid kit is is crazy. Uh, there's incredible things in there, uh, things that actually work, quick clot, all kinds of things that help. Uh, so, you know, this gel under development, I would imagine would be a form of quick clot and, uh, some kind of antibiotic, um, so that you could put it on, you could put this gel, it would act to clot the bleeding and it would also act to, um, uh, as some kind of disinfectant, if you will, uh, to keep the wound clean. So, but uh, I'll tell you what, the advances in, in first aid. Are, are crazy and you should really kind of look at one of those it's called an IFAC individual first aid kit IFAK uh, and put it in your car yep that's what uh, that's what I would recommend um, top story in the Wall Street Journal this morning is uh, Facebook panel upholds Trump ban but orders a review um, 
Yeah, big technology deciding who can speak and who can't. I think that doesn't make you a carrier anymore, right? So um, we will see how this goes, right? We will see how this goes. So um, that's the top story uh, in the Wall Street Journal. Um, top story in USNI News this morning is Marines seeking advanced reconnaissance vehicle prototypes after unsuccessful attempts to replace the LAV. So um, Marine Corps looking at, at Force Design 2030 and an advanced reconnaissance vehicle. I would tell you that probably uh, a heavier gun uh, has the ability to be um, either manned or unmanned. Yeah, and then would fit inside all the shipping. So what does that look like? What is that? Good question. Top headlines in Marine Corps Times. Um, stuff you've already heard. Marine Corps Inspector General, Major General Caselvi, um, suspended pending a third investigation into the 15th Mew AV accident. So that happened on Friday. So that in the news. And then... I don't see anything else new that's new there. Uh, top stories in early bird. Uh, Commandant of the Marine Corps is going to be testifying up on Capitol Hill today. So uh, he'll be in the news today. Um, General Thomas and General Olson testified on Monday. And uh, Mrs. Kenny Lynch Constantini, uh, we'll talk about that tomorrow. Um the U.S. Mil- top five stories in early bird, number one, U.S. military has completed about 2% to 6% of the process of entirely withdrawing from Afghanistan, according to U.S. Central Command. So uh, Taliban have said, better not mess around or we're going to ratchet it up on your ass. So, uh, so uh, United States, 2 to 6% done. Um, next story. Pentagon tracking out-of-control Chinese rocket that could re-enter the Earth's atmosphere. Another thing the world the world has to uh, thank China for, right? Number three, plan for Space Force reserve component is fairly close to being done, according to uh, the head of the National Guard. So the Space Force, yeah. Yeah, continuing to build itself. Uh, number four, Army Reserve promotion halted for South Dakota Attorney General involved in a fatal crash. So I don't know that that's worth any time. Number five, Guard Chief wants free health care for all troops, activated or not. Calling it an issue of strategic and moral importance to the military force. Good luck with that, dude. Although, you know, it would be a winner because, you know, you as a politician, you could support that and you could, you know, use that in your campaigning. You know, very, very powerful stuff, especially in, in parts of the country where the guards are a really big deal. They get called out in, in weather emergencies on a regular basis. So uh, all that, uh, all that very, very important stuff. The, um... <laughs> And here's some national security stories. Taliban will likely curtail Afghan women's rights, according to an intelligence report. Really? You, did you need an intelligence report to tell you that? The Secretary of State 
Anthony Blinken warns China it would be a very serious mistake to attack Taiwan. All right, next headline, U.S. presses Taliban to ease the violence and resume peace talks. You know, let me tell you, the Taliban, right, has no intention of talking and they will use violence to keep pressure on the United States. And so, um, yeah, so what is going to ensue in Afghanistan is not going to be pretty and uh, and Americans are going to get a front row seat to watch um, what happens in that country. And again, it's not going to be pretty. My opinion, the Taliban have got everything they want. They believe they're winning uh, on the battlefield and that they uh, they have no reason. Uh, they have no reason to. Um, they have no reason to compromise. So why would they? Answer, they won't. Did you get to listen to any of Bones of My Grandfather during your travel? I have not. Ohio man, I have not. Honestly, um, I have have less time. Um, Discretionary time. Yep, and I have not had a chance to listen to that. Uh, between the seminar I do tonight and the seminar I do Monday night and then the other things that I have going, I've not had a whole lot of discretionary time. So with apologies, I've not had a chance to do that. Um, Here's another email about Chief Gallagher. Interesting whether any of the things he says will lead to other charges. I think we all know that even when you're retired, you can be recalled and charged. I think that guy is addicted to the spotlight. His celebrity... is a boil on all of our ass. President Trump has much to do with that. Sad state of affairs in the SEALs, though. I watched those interviews. Thank you for posting the links. And good God, what a sad commentary on an organization. Clearly an organization that has lost its way and looking for leaders. Let's hope they find them. Yeah, let me tell you, that's not a pretty picture uh, that gets painted. So, um, here's another email. Mac, I listened to your news segment the other day I think you read where either General Thomas or General Olson said that 20 years in the desert has degraded our ability to do amphibious operations I laughed at that I 
Let me get Chris Woodbridge on. Hey, Matt, good morning. Chris Woodbridge joins us, the editor of the Marine Corps Gazette, editor and publisher, and the publisher of uh, Leatherneck Magazine. Woody, how are you? Great. How are you? I'm all right. How are you feeling? Last time we talked to you, you were on the backside of uh, a malady. Um, are yeah. you fully recovered, fully functional now? Sound as a pound. I'm uh, I'm doing doing well, and uh, uh, you know, shook it shook it uh, pretty uh, pretty easily. Uh, you know, during the uh, during the last couple of weeks. So yeah, feeling great, and uh, uh, no no complaints. Do you, are there any after effects from your COVID exposure? Not that I can tell. Uh, not that I, not that I can tell. Um, you know, I mean. Part of it uh, again, having the uh, having the treatment as I did, I never never lost you know smell or taste or or any of that oh, stuff okay. that people uh, tend to complain yeah. about. And um, you know the only the only irritants right now, uh, uh, physically anyway, are uh, are you know springtime in Northern Virginia, uh, uh, you know otherwise known as the Yellow Brick Road. <laughs> uh, the um there is uh much in the news so i always like to talk to you about current events um this morning i woke to a number of emails uh sending me the link uh to the story about eddie gallagher who's back in the news saying that yeah we killed that guy and nobody had a problem i was just doing some med- pr- testing medical procedures um Yada, yada, yada. Um, a former SEAL Team platoon commander said, yeah, that's pretty disturbing because we have a moral obligation to save life, not take life. The moral obligation is that if you have an enemy combatant, you've got to take care of them to keep them alive. You only treat a patient to save a life. You don't treat them as a live tissue medical treatment experiment. Um I'm curious about your thoughts. I mean, Chief Gallagher, uh, you know, like he won't go away. Last week, Catherine Herridge did report uh, reports, and uh, I saw two segments that were each about five minutes in length with SEALs that had hooded sweatshirts on, masks and sunglasses on to hide their identity. Their voices had been altered as a condition of them coming on. And the the clo- closing statement was, what do you want people to know? And the answer was, we need help. Um, yet you have investigations done by the special operations community that says there is no cultural problem here. What do you what do you make of all of that? Um, well, first of all, where there's where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, and so you may you may not call it a cultural problem, but I think there's sufficient uh, uh, you know, public, public domain, open source reports and evidence, um, that, uh, indicate that there, there probably ought to be some, uh, other level of scrutiny besides an internal, uh, uh, investigation within the special operations community. Um, and, you know, I, I, I use the, the, uh, the metric or the, you know, the measuring stick of, uh, what's going on on the Marine Corps and now Navy side right now. Um, so, you know, yeah, there, there's probably something that, uh, that bears some more scrutiny. Uh, Chief Gallagher himself as, as, you know, uh, pseudo pseudo celebrity status right now. Um, and so, uh, you know, you, you always want to, you always want to play to a known 
uh, uh, media draw when you're in the media and, you know, people will, uh, people will click on that. People will listen, people will show interest, um, in, uh, uh, you know, because of the, uh, prior performance of that, that story. Uh, but you know, on its face, um, yeah, that's, uh, uh, not something, not something that's, uh, you know, authorized or, 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 you know, permissible under the laws of armed conflict. Um, you know, treating, uh, treating a, a, a wounded, uh, enemy combatant, uh, as, uh, you know, human experimentation, uh, yeah, live tissue. It's, I mean, it's just goofy shit, is what it is. Right. Well, you know, I mean, the military come, came under great criticism for using animals, for using pigs in live tissue. Yeah, we had to uh, we had to completely uh, yes. uh, cease cease uh, our pig. live tissue training program. Right. Uh, I was the uh, I was the G three of training and education command when we when we went through that, um, and uh, yeah, so. Um, no, no, you're, you're, you're not allowed to do that chief. Um, and, and some, somebody, uh, <laughs> should have been there to kind of say, no, you, you, we don't do those things. Right. Um, and it doesn't matter whether it's uh, combat counterinsurgency. It doesn't really matter whether it's a enemy combatant or a lawful combatant or an unlawful combatant or, a uh, you know, a civilian uh, detainee, you just, you just don't do those things. And also there's, there's just a, a simple, um, you know, human ethics side to this, Hello. Uh, which, you know, just, uh, it kind of, kind of blows the mind. But again, uh, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, kind of minor celebrity and also a, um, cause celebra to use a little bit of French there. The, uh, um, the, the exoneration of, uh, quote, wrongfully convicted, uh, service members uh, is a, is a something of a uh, a cause celebra uh, right now, meaning a uh, a very fashionable in some cases and and high visibility uh, um, uh, effort going on uh, with a lot of uh, uh, public affairs, public relations, and and political connecting files right now, and it's 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 pretty uh, pretty pronounced in and around the national capital region. I want to ask you a question about um, um, something that has been uh, brewing for years, and that is taking sexual assault to its own uh, to its own uh, pipeline, uh, convening authorities, adjudication, blah 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 blah. I read a pretty, I thought pretty well written um, article, an op-ed that appeared in USA Today, written by a former. I don't know what service she was in, um, but she's a veteran. She's a lawyer and has served both as a prosecutor and a defense attorney and saying that, look, the the real issue in these cases is that um, commanders bring um, not only close cases but tough cases to court-martial because there is incredible pressure on them to try these cases lest they have the victim go on Twitter and accuse them of siding with the alleged perpetrator. And so there's the military tries cases that a civilian prosecutor would look and just tell the victim, there's not the evidence, I, I, I won't take this to trial to convict, there simply isn't there. 
commanding officers do, t- do send those things to court-martial. And so her point was this. Look, there's no amount of lawyering, right, that can bridge a evidentiary deficiency. Okay, and that's why the military conviction rate is so low. So if you if you he said she said she goes on to say the military investigates these crimes vigorously. Right? Most of them are he said she said alcohol fueled events. And if there isn't supporting evidence, then there is no basis to convict on our standard which is beyond a reasonable doubt. And that is what happened. And so uh, I thought it was a very interesting article. She says, I believe what you will see is that conviction rates will go up. Total convictions will not. And that will then leave us asking, what next? We've taken this away from commanders. Bottom line, the issue has always been, right, that young people with no corroborating evidence, alcohol you know, alcohol-fueled event that comes down to he said, she said, those are very, very difficult to to produce. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff said that he no longer is opposed to the idea, something that he has been opposed to for a long time, because in polls he says that junior enlisted Marines have lost confidence that that system is fair. And so I thought that was a pretty interesting statement by the chairman. Um, so his his kind of take on it is different from, let's say, the Senate Armed Service Committee and Senator Gillibrand, uh, who leads the charge on this specific issue. Uh, your thoughts on all that? Um, and then if it starts with sexual assault, what are the next crimes that we're not dealing with well enough that might be taken from a commander? And ultimately, what is the impact on that? Uh, to the commander. So, you know, there is a, a there's, there's a lot of layers to this and I'll, right. I'll sort of uh, sort of hit them in, in no, no particular order. Um, with regard to the secretary of defense, uh, at some point, every political appointee at every level um, may have to go into a personal survival mode um, based on pressures uh, uh, surrounding a given issue. Um, and I suspect that's what uh, what just occurred with Secretary Austin. Um, the uh, the slippery slope question of of you know what what sort of uh, crimes uh, or legal legal administrative functions uh, get get stripped away from the chain of command next. Um, that's uh, th- that's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. It, the, the slippery slope is there, and and the the unfortunate part of this is from, uh, you know, a very um, cold, un, uh, uh, uninvolved, meaning, meaning no uh, real experience of, uh, of military service um, and, and therefore maybe overly objective view, uh, you know, you just kind of pick your poison. What, what, have we, what have we routinely screwed up? from from the perspective of that external uh, scrutiny. Um, well, you know, you, you, you routinely screw up um, how uh, uh, soldiers or, or Marines or sailors or service members uh, uh, in a uh, unauthorized absence status are, are investigated. 
Um, and, and so that, that then changes. Uh, the, the reporting criteria for uh, AWOL or UA uh, uh, has been changed, again, because of a prior flawed performance. Um, we've, we've demonstrated across the services that we create a perception of uh, uh, unfairness and an inability to hold uh, uh, sexual predators or, or those involved in, in exactly the kinds of incidents that you describe, um, hold them accountable. We do that because of the reasons you laid out, because of the evidentiary shortfalls. But from external appraisal, you can't change how it looks. Um, and so I think an awful lot of this is, is based on a desire to, uh, to change how things look, to take that authority um, away from uh, what's, what's widely perceived as a, um, you know, at best, at best um, uh, uh, amateurish, um, at worst, uh, uh, you know, colluding chain of command. Uh, and, and all I can say is, well, you know, let's be careful what we, we ask for, because now if you create a separate organization uh, within DOD with some mandate to fix this problem, they're going to face the same evidentiary shortfalls and the same requirements of jurisprudence right. unless you start changing that too. Right. Uh, and again, that requires uh, uh, major legislative effort that really skylines uh, uh, some uh, folks who probably would not want to be skylined over that sort of change to military justice or justice uh, in general in, in the United States. Uh, so if, uh, you know, if, if in some ways you change uh, those, those requirements for proof beyond a reasonable doubt um, in only some cases, then, uh, you know, that, that's a heavy lift legislatively. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's kind of the three layers of the, of the issue as you laid out. And uh, that's, um, I, I think where this is going. Do you, what impact do you think it will have on the commander? I, I honestly think that many commanders will be absolutely relieved to have this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This because, my point. because <laughs> what's different about command now is that every PFC, every Lance corporal, every Marine has a Twitter account and you can, you can trend, Right. And in a matter of seconds, if they if they want to, and we just saw that happen in a sexual harassment case uh, in the Marine Corps, um, it was a it was a video posted by a Marine, and that thing trended nationally, and the Secretary of Defense commented on it the next day. And so, if you're a commander and this comes in front of you, unless you want to trend, you would refer this. You know, for you know, for legal action, because you don't want to be you don't want to be on the wrong side of that. And so, to me, there's a one of the things that I don't know how well the military has reconciled itself with, and I think you're seeing it in the extremist um, discussion and all the rest of it is when everybody's got a Twitter account and all this stupid stuff that you used to say drunk in the E Club. Now that goes out over Twitter, okay, and 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 so we have to wrestle with that, and I, 
it's not a good, it's certainly not a good thing. Um, but the question is, right? The, they have a First Amendment right. You know, you, you don't check that at the door when you join the military. Although some of your rights are certainly curtailed in order to support good order and discipline in the military, how much of those rights are curtailed and whatnot? So, to me, in this modern age of command climate surveys, um, command is fraught with danger, and sexual assault is is part of that. And there is a bias, in my opinion, to send everything to court martial. For your own preservation. Because you know if you get in the way of this, that you have a chance to get skylined. And God forbid that should happen. And so it's it's interesting as I think in a broader conversation, the DOD comes to, to grips with um, the digital age. And with the fact that your decision can be scrutinized nationally in the matter of a click. So what impact does this have, Woody, on the command? So I think I think you're you're spot on. There there is, uh, I think, invariably going to be a level of relief um, on on the side on the part of commanders. And I, I hate to I hate to be as blunt as this, but it but it comes down to the okay, not my problem anymore. Right. You know, every every commander at every level has task saturation when it comes to the uh, the business of running of running that command um, from, from every aspect uh, maybe, maybe even including the combat readiness of that unit. Um, but, but everything else that that commander is responsible for, if this is something, a rock that can be taken out of that rucksack, um, I think a lot of commanders will be, uh, will be relieved by that. Um, Again, it's it's part of this. You know, be careful what you ask for, because right, right. whatever this new organization or new office that does have responsibility uh, now for these uh, for these sorts of cases, I hope they've got the uh, uh, the manpower and the, and the expertise to uh, to deal with this, because it's coming at you. Um, because for all the reasons that you've uh, you know you've outlined, uh, there are aspects of the problem that that are not going to go away, um, and you know the the. So it was, it was explained to me a long time ago, and uh, I, I think it was when I when I first took over company command. Um, you know, uh, your your chain of command, your your senior commanders. Uh, see, you, we, we we can support you. We can help you with just about anything. But here are the things we can't help you with. You know, we can't help you with um, uh, uh, classified material spillages or you know loss of cryptographic equipment. Sorry, we can't can't help you with that. We really can't help you with a lost weapon, you know, <laughs> can't help you with that. Can't help you if you screw up postal uh, or you screw up anything uh, financial. We really can't help you with that. And also, by the way, we can't help you if you, uh, you know, have an inappropriate relationship uh, uh, with a, with a you know, a junior Marine um, or you have a, um, a DUI, uh, you know, alcohol problem or drug problem. Sorry, can't help you with that. So what we're doing is we're really adding something else to that list for commanders at every level that, sorry, Marine, you know, can't help you with that anymore. You're not my problem anymore. Right. Uh, and so that, that's unfortunate because, uh, you know, as, as the commander, uh, you, you, you certainly uh, can still be held accountable for everything the unit does and fails to do. Um, but in reality, there are aspects of that that have over time – uh, been removed 
from the authority and the purview of a commander to do anything about, uh, to help a Marine who deserves it or to punish a Marine who, uh, who deserves that. So that's, uh, that's, I think where we're, where we're really going. So, so does this make the organization better or worse, or is it too early to tell? I, I think it's too early to tell. I think it's too early to tell. I mean, at this point, nothing has even really happened yet. Right. Uh, we're talking about what may happen, uh, but nothing, no, nothing formal or official has, has really happened yet. And never, never underestimate the ability of, of bureaucracy to slow things down. Right. Right, right, right. So no. we may not see any actual action on this for, for some time. Right. right. Um, one other current events question, and then, uh, and then we'll talk about the, uh, this month's Gazette. Um, the Marine Corps, um, you know, uh, up on Capitol Hill uh, this week, last week, um, Major General Casalvi was uh, suspended as the Inspector General. Um, I want to ask you an optics question. Um it seems like the Marine Corps reacts. Um, uh, it's, I don't know. It seems like they're not out in front of this. That that the action, you know, relative to you know General Caselvi is a reaction to public pressure and scrutiny from Congress. Um, uh, give me give me your opinion on this. This uh, you know a second investigation announced. You know after. You know, Representative Garamondi from uh, Garamendi from California, you know, you know, took the Marine Corps to task. Um, so it seems like the Marine Corps has been in uh, a, a reactionary mode and has not gotten out in in front of this. Is that fair criticism? Unfair criticism? Um, give me your well, take. I would, I would just say, to all appearances, uh, everything again that you can observe. Uh, in in public domain, open source media, etc. Um, you're right. Yes, it, it appears extremely reactive, uh, extremely late to need, uh, and in some in some ways, um, you know, those optics uh, create create a uh, you know a vicious cycle. Um, you know, when you're when you're not out in front of something, you're never going to be able to get back out in front of it. Um, and so I think the Marine Corps, and as we saw today, the Navy uh, is is caught in a uh, a very vicious reactive cycle. Um, I don't know if you were, but the Navy just announced that uh, they will be doing an investigation of the uh, the same uh, uh, tragic uh, AAV accident um, from a from a Navy amphibious ship perspective. So um, what what did the ARG what did the uh, the Somerset, the individual uh, LSD involved, um, what 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 did or did not happen on the Navy side that may or may not have contributed to this uh, to this accident? Uh, so you know they're they're clearly you know some people might look at that as okay there's the Navy piling on to the Marine Corps, but no in reality they're reacting to the same uh, public opinion and congressional pressures uh, that the Marine Corps is. Uh, and so it's, it's, you know, in all of this, there's, uh, you know, it's important not to lose sight of, of the, uh, you know, the human dimension here, the tragedy, uh, for those, those Marines, uh, and their families. Um, but it's also extremely, 
uh, hazardous, dangerous, dynamic for the service itself. Uh, you know, remember what what that capability is. Uh, and, you know, we're over a year now where an amphibious tractor has not uh, uh, done water ops off an amphibious ship. Um, that that capability is uh, is in is in limbo right now, and so uh, if that capability is is no longer <laughs> is no longer valid, uh, is too hazardous, is deemed to be uh, 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 non-essential, uh, those, those dominoes start to fall in some very very bad places for the service as a whole. And for the naval expeditionary capability as a whole, Woody. The um, when, when you look at all of this, um, you know, G- General Olson um, on Monday was asked uh, a question about have twenty years in the desert impacted our ability to do amphibious operations, and 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 he kind of said, yeah, it has. And and I find that disturbing because I mean what we're talking about here is is leadership, inspections, understanding your own SOPs, your understanding your own orders, the ability of leaders to put their hands up and say, I can't do that. Whether we do that in the same and, and really combat in theory makes us a better organization we know how to do i don't i don't care if it's pre-combat checks going out of you know out out of camp fallujah or al-assad you know how we prepare how we leave the attention to detail you know giving orders understanding the intel all that that is supposed to make us a better more you know more proficient organization because we now have these experiences more of them Truth be told, though, the Marine Corps hasn't been at war in a long time, you know, in any great numbers. We have onesies and twosies, you know, but, but you know, what, 2012, 2014. So just about nobody involved in the Samtrak event other than senior people had ever been to war. And so I, I, I'm, I'm, to me, when I hear statements like that, it's like I don't think that's the problem here. This is the blocking and tackling of leadership. We've been going to sea forever. And I don't care if you're a leader, whether you're going east or west or north or south, the way we do it is the same thing. And so I'm curious your thoughts on that, Woody, when you hear statements like that, that, yeah, well, maybe maybe our amphibious, you know, um, maybe our amphibious muscles have atrophied a little bit. Um, your thoughts on that? It's it's not a Marine Corps. That's that. Could you imagine saying something like the general, like that to General Van Riper, or or Colonel Van Riper, or or the guys who raised us in the Marine Corps to 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 rake dirt, to 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 paint rocks, to put up the ropes so that nobody walked on the gunny's dirt, right? I, I mean, I, I I don't I think I don't know if there's a cultural problem here or, or a leadership problem here. But it, it seems like sometimes we're trying to answer the wrong question. I'm curious about your thoughts on that. That's that's an interesting point. One thing I'll point out is um, even if you stipulate that, you know, the Marine Corps spent, uh, you know, 20 years in the desert, even if you went as far as saying that was 20 years at war in the desert, 
um, those experiences get you good at those experiences. Um, they're not they're not necessarily transferable. Um, and and so that's where that's where I think the, the core of the of the problem might be. And, and many things, many things atrophy when what you're talking about is uh, extended experiences in uh, a land, a land campaign that is an irregular warfare or counterinsurgency campaign um, uh, operating under uh, restrictive, quote, phase four ROE um, in a civilian population. Many things, many things. You develop a lot of really good skills at the at, at a variety of levels. But um, uh, aviation planning, strike planning, coordination of combined arms, uh, command and control, uh, and and certainly <laughs> operating uh, uh, you know at sea off a ship. Uh, those those are non-transferable skills. Some of the basic leadership, the supervision, uh, the the engaged intrusive leadership, those those certainly apply. But as you correctly point out, um, those leaders have EAS uh, a long time ago, uh, and so you know we're we're we are in a situation I believe where we've uh, we've lost some of the blocking and tackling skills, um, or at least they are they are extremely rusty, and uh, they you know, you have to you have to regreen those fundamentals, and so taking a year plus off uh, uh, for safety uh, you know reasons which are valid doesn't do anything to help that. Um, so you know, I, I, interesting you talk about the the, the amphibious uh, 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 blocking and tackling skills. Um, in 2008, uh, I was, I was stationed at joint forces command as part of the joint, the joint training enterprise. And, uh, the Marine Corps was starting to look at doing a, an East coast, you know, major, uh, live and, and virtual amphibious, uh, exercise called, uh, called bold alligator. And I attended one of the early, planning conferences for that over at uh, Fleet Forces Command, Marine Forces Command over on the on the Norfolk side of uh, of Hampton Roads. And, you know, in a room full of probably over 100 uh, officers and, and senior staff NCOs and, and chief petty officers, uh, you know, open question, uh, how many of you have have, you know, participated in uh, any form of of amphibious exercise above a MU level. Uh, so not a standard MU deployment or MU training, but any form of exercise, even a, a virtual, you know, constructive uh, computer supported uh, exercise or a, uh, uh, you know, anything up to and including a live amphibious uh, exercise above, above the MU. Um, the only hands that went up were colonels and Navy captains. And this was in 2008. No one below that level had ever touched this, even as a MAPEX or a, you know, a computer uh, command post exercise, computer supported command post exercise. Uh, no one below that level. Uh, and that's a pretty good chunk of uh, the Marine Corps and, and the Navy uh, uh, at, that, at that time. And that was, that was 2008, 2009. So it, it hadn't gotten any better. 
um, it hasn't gotten any better. Yeah, I think that I would, I would, my own, this is my own opinion, and uh, I believe that, uh, I mean, when you read things like, and, and this is coming out of General Thomas's and General Olson's testimony uh, the, on Monday, vehicles did not meet the standard required for waterborne operations as it became clear after the accident, more than 54% of the AVs in the fleet did not meet watertight integrity standards and investigation revealed, right? <clears throat> the, uh, I mean, when, you, when you're looking at that, I mean, Woody, how the, how the, how the hell does that happen, right? Well, I mean, those people in those units are responsible for those systems. How the hell does 54% not, not meet the standard, and and I don't know. To me, I see a cultural problem in the Marine Corps uh, that is that the Marine Corps is is not as as hard on itself as it used to be and accepts mediocrity where it didn't. I, I see it as a cultural problem, and these are just the latest manifestations on it. And uh, and I don't know if we're if, if we're as brutal. I think as as we were raised. And, and and so to me, when when I hear that, oh, we're not good at amphibious operations, you know, to me, what I hear is we're not good at operating because, you know, your pre-combat checks, I don't care if you're in Al-Assad or you're, or you're splashing there, you go down the list and you go this, 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 and you do it by the, by the numbers. And so to me, that's, that's to me the disturbing trend that you see over and over and over again in this investigation. And then if you lay this investigation next to the F-18 KC-131, and if you lay that one next to the one that happened to the F-18 and the KC-130 in the same squadron two years before, that that investigation never got completed. And then if you if you stack the, the, the Amtrak investigation that went down off the coast of Camp Lejeune in 2019, if you, they all say the same thing. And it's this disturbing trend of leaders not being sticklers for the blocking and tackling and people winding up dead, and then it happens again. And so, to me, when you link these investigations together, there is a disturbing trend. And you and I both know the Marines will be anything we train them to be. It is not a Marine issue. It is a leader issue. And so... I don't know. To me, it's a disturbing trend, and I don't. I think it has everything to do with operating. I don't think it has a whole lot to do with the domain that we operate in. There is a a jaundiced eye that you and I were expected to have as lieutenants, and if we didn't have it, we got a boot stuck up our ass. And I don't know that the Marine Corps is like that anymore. And and I think well, that- you know, there's another there's another factor at play here. I agree with you, and there's another factor at play. And again, that is sort of environment specific, but it may it may have uh, uh, you know metastasized from the the uh, uh, protracted land campaign, irregular warfare campaign environment, which is which is a combat environment, and it's this this attitude of um, there's two facets to this attitude. One is Hey, this you know this is the real thing now. This is real combat. We're not going to worry about that that safety stuff. You know, we we need you know we got a mission, and and this is real, and we're not going to follow those those other safety rules now that are you know that's that's 
garrison training, chicken, training at chick, Camp chick, Pendleton. Chick, chicken, We're not going to do that. Sh- chicken shit peacetime. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. We're not going to do that now. This is, this is, this is, you know, combat. Um, so, so that, but that also crosses over into what I'll call the waverable mentality is, is okay. You, you know, you, you're doing a checklist um, and Hey, we got to, we got to launch here in, in 30 minutes or, you know, we're going to be mission failure or we're going to we're going to miss something or we're not going to to accomplish the tasks we've been assigned, um, whether those are training tasks or or, or real operational uh, mission requirements. We're we're going to we're going to screw this up. We got to launch in, you know, in, in 30 minutes that that ain't going to get fixed in that amount of time. Does it work? Will it fire? Does it you know, can you start it up? All right. Will will we make it through this? Like, you know, yes, yes, sir, we will. And uh, that sort of waverable mentality uh, to, uh, you know, to to make it happen uh, again, sort of pervades the organization. And so you've got uh, you've got some real negatives there. And again, I agree with you. It's not it's not necessarily environment specific, um, but I think it's it's sort of spread from the environment. And, and frankly, it you know, it it. It echoes an awful lot of what we've talked about before about, uh, you know, behavioral discipline issues. Uh, you know, when you're willing to waver that stuff because he's a good he's a good combat Marine or she's a good field Marine. And, uh, you know, they really did a great job on the last deployment. Um, OK, now you're starting down the road of uh, uh, ineffective leadership at a lot of levels. Right. And, and let me tell you, there's. Um... Um, when you're saying that, you know, you know, uh, I'm, I'm remembering incidents of, um, Humvees rolling into the Tartar canal. Uh, they were up armored, so they were heavy and guys drowning in the vehicles because, you know, once it went upside down in the mud and went down in the mud, the Humvees couldn't pull, you know, that Humvee out, couldn't move it cause they weren't, they didn't have enough engine power and, you know, every Marine inside the vehicle, right. Drowned. And why? Because they, they weren't doing what they were supposed to do. Um, a tank being driven across a, an engineer bridge north of um, north of Karma uh, at night. No, yep. no ground no ground guide. And I get a phone call from a breathless runner saying there's a tank upside down in a canal south of Opiomar. What the fuck are you talking about? And so, and so these things, and four Marines, I think it was four Marines drowned inside that tank, and um, upside down at night. And so these short, again, this lack of this, this like, yeah, well, those rules don't apply now. That is novice stuff that gets people killed, and and that's why to me. You know, General Van Riper, the interview I did with General Van Riper um, uh, after General Furness brought up the whole discipline issue. Um, and General Van Riper, who when we were young, I mean, we didn't understand why he was such a maniac about the things he was a maniac about. And then he he talks about all the people in, in Mike Company 3-7 that were killed. 75 Marines killed in Mike Company 3-7 in his year of command in in Vietnam, over 100% casualties in terms of killed and wounded. And he talks about not being able to find shackle sheets to call in, in you know, encrypted grids 
because didn't know where it was, not being able to find the right colored smoke, not being able, not knowing where the ammunition was. So his whole quest for uniformity was really a quest for efficiency in combat so that less people would die. But I didn't, I didn't understand it. I didn't get it. And so to me, these shortcuts uh, for those people that take them are, 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 are a path to a really, really bad place. And so in theory, on the backside of combat, we're supposed to be better. We're supposed to have more of a jaundiced eye. And um, I don't know. The things I keep seeing, and again, I'm not, just talk to, I'm not just referring to the AV incident, although that's the one that's marquee right now. But again, the F-18 KC-131. The, the not paying attention to our own SOPs, the haven't done it at day, but we'll send you up at night, right? And, and this is all done by officers, okay? This is all done by officers. The the Amtrak that sinks off the coast of Kent Lejeune, it's it's the exact same shit. And then, you know, and so I don't, to me, there's too many blips on the radar to say, oh, we just need to tighten things up. I, I I think that's the problem's deeper than that, and the organization has to take a really hard look, you know, at its own level of execution and discipline and supervision, and 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 I just some interesting thing. We used to field day every Thursday night. Now, when you talk to people, it's kind of a general cleanup. Well, is it inspected by the commanding officer? And you know, the gunny walks through. Mm, yeah. And so what happens is, what what used to happen is we would start field daying Thursday afternoon. And it went from your workspaces, then over to the barracks. Our staff and COs were in the barracks with their little green notebooks and a cup of coffee. And what were they doing there? They were collecting on their Marines. What does that mean, Mac? They were spending time with them. They were talking to them. They were learning about them. We don't do that anymore. We don't do field day. We don't do collective PT so much anymore. You know, individual PT, go to the gym, blah, blah. So that collective time is not there as much as it was when when we were part of the Marine Corps. And so I think there's some some casualties that go along with that, these cultural changes. And I think a hard edge for execution and supervision is is one of the things. When, when General Neller... When he was a lieutenant colonel, I was one of his company commanders, his favorite company commander, I might add. And <laughs> he called me in one day, and he had our maintenance, the battalion maintenance report in front of him. And he's looking at the maintenance, and he and he's looks and he point he's pointing the numbers. He goes, "Why is your readiness so high?" Now I don't want to say that he accused me of gun decking maintenance numbers, okay? But he was very interested, and I said because I inspect every Friday. And he looked at me and he said, every Friday. I said, every Friday. The vehicles get inspected. I don't tell them what I'm going to inspect until the morning of when I say, have the battery box open. But I inspect daily, weekly, monthly PM thing. That's what I inspect. So if they're doing what they're supposed to do, the inspection starts at 08. And we sound liberty call it 1300 for everybody that passes. If you don't pass, you're there at 1700. I'm in my office, and the first sergeant and the gunny do the reinspection, and then call me down to the ramp. Normally around 1900. And trust me, you don't want to be there for that son of a bitch. And he said, "That's it." Yeah, I said, there, "Sir." <laughs> yeah, you, it, I've it, linked. Maybe, maybe it's an overly, uh, 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 you know, by definition, an overly conservative, you know, worldview. But that's 
that's the answer, and that's always been the answer. Uh, you can you can read history uh, back hundreds of years, and that's the answer. <laughs> Ex- expect what you inspect, right? I mean, as, as old and stupid as that sound, if you look at somebody and you say, well, I mean, how do you get to 54%, right, don't pass, and that is not a huge red flag in the community, in the Marine Corps, that somebody's job is to remedy. How do you get there? Do you not inspect? Do you not know? Is this a surprise? And if it is, then that is what? I mean, that is the sixth step. Or do you inspect and do you know, but it's it's waverable because it's more important to insert your task here. Yeah. Um, and and that's that's where I, I think the real danger lies. You know the old the old saying. You know, pass or fail, you still sail. Um, right. That's uh, well, but but again, what do you, I mean? To me, it comes down to the moral courage to stand up and say, I can't do this because I'm at this number, and 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 we're faking it right now. Where are the officers that say that? And where is the environment that encourages somebody to say that? You know, and and. And so to me, that's why, to me, this is a broader, you know, issue of organizational discipline, right, in, in, in leaders of an organization. And and so, I don't know. I don't know. Any final thoughts before we talk about the main? No, just, just that there is, a, you know, and, and I'm, I don't know that this is the case, but again, what would, uh, you know, what would prompt, what would lead, what would motivate leaders to you know, to do that. And again, if there is, if there is some environment where, you know, fear of that type of failure, fear of being the, you know, the, the, no, we're not going to do this, you know, the squeaky wheel. Um, and, and it's like, okay, well, if you're not going to do it, Lieutenant Captain, Lieutenant Colonel, uh, we'll find someone who will, um, you know, that, that's, that's, uh, worse than, uh, Worse than a uh, an ineffective command environment or leadership environment. Right. That's that's a criminal environment. Exactly. And so, to me, if you can't if you can't stand up and speak the truth, then that organization is not worth being a part of. And you need to you need to stand up and you know tell the truth, and then you need to go home because they'll tell you we don't need you anymore. Okay. Look, and and so if that's where it is, God help us, right? God help us. If you can't stand up and say, hey, look, my vehicles are at 54% in terms of whatever it was, planetary, plenium, you know, integrity, right? Somebody's got to help me fix this, right? Because I can't do this. If you don't know where those red lines and you aren't willing to say that, then you are not worthy of the of the commission that you wear, the oath of office that you took, and you're certainly not worthy of of the special trust and confidence that those parents put into you that they're going to get their kids back for Christmas. And, 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 and to have to come to that realization on the backside of an issue is bullshit. We're supposed to be better than that, especially as Marines. And I know, I mean, we hold ourselves to, to, to high standards, especially as an officer of Marines. What a unique and, and, and proud lineage and heritage that, that, that we all gravitated to and now you and I hail from and you know that that we won't stand up and tell the truth bullshit man that's not the marine corps 
And so I don't. So I see these things, and they're just, and to me, they're extremely disturbing if those are true. You know that we have to. You know, and then General Thomas said the other day, trying to create an environment where people feel comfortable. I mean, Woody, what the fuck is that? That that you're not going to stand up and say, "Hey, stop! I can't do this." Stop! If, stop! If we keep doing it this way, we're going to kill somebody. Well, yeah, and then you read the you, re, you read the investigation of, of the fifteenth mule, and it's like, uh, so l- platoon commander AVs on the movement back out to the ship. Where were the safety vehicles coming from? I assume the ship would provide them. What? Are you shitting me? Who skips over that line? And for the ship, who in your CIC is sitting there with the execution checklist that says? Right? Safety boats in the water or accounted for. Nobody? I mean, exactly. it's clown shit. And, and again, that's just operational discipline and supervision. And it happens, again, it, it really becomes a disturbing trend when you put these investigations next to each other. And so, so anyway, uh, on that, uh, let's change subject, Woody. Um, tell me about the May Gazette. Well, interesting. You should uh, you should say that that changes the subject because uh, it doesn't. <laughs> well, well, I'm gonna I'll highlight something for you. In the uh, uh, you know the May magazine is uh, uh, sort of a MAGTAF focus, the okay. air ground team focus. Um, lots of content there at at uh, uh, primarily at the at the the tactical level, the small unit tactical level. Um, some some. Uh, uh, Input from from you know headquarters from uh, we've got some some letters from uh, uh, General Smith and, and General Wise, but the bulk of the content is really coming from the field um, at a, at a bunch of different levels. Um, something I would point out again, relating back, is there's a uh, uh, it's one of the one of the cover articles called "Rebuilding Capability" uh, by uh, Majors Justin Davis and Neil Jones. Um, and that article is specifically about uh, the authors essentially uh, laying out a uh, what I'll call the the recovery plan for rebuilding uh, the infantry assault amphibian team uh, when when we start doing that training again and when we start uh, uh, integrating uh, the new capability of the amphibious combat vehicle. So it's. Um, uh, it's it's a timely article, I think, uh, and it's it's really uh, it can form a roadmap uh, for uh, creating the training plan, the training environment uh, that's needed going forward uh, from this uh, from this point. So there is there is a connection here, believe it or not, between between what's in the pages of uh, of the professional journal and and what we've just been talking about. Okay, since you reintroduce the subject. <laughs> How long have we been doing MUSE and doing amphibious operations? And now we need a new plan to spell it out for people, right? How to suck the so, egg? Well, how, no, how that's a great point. Egg? That's a great point. As the old guy reading that article, um, and one of the reasons that I wanted to publish it is exactly that point. I would I would tell you that there there isn't a lot of new in that article. There's it, it, To me, that is really a reminder of how we've been doing this. And I hate to use the word. It's, it's one of the most useless words in the English language should, how we should have been doing this 
uh, uh, you know, consistently. Um, you know, I mean, you, you should to me is equally as useless as the word hope because that's that's not something that should be in a leader's in a leader's lexicon. Interesting. Um, so uh, again, I, I agree with you. There, there's not a lot new in there. There's no great uh, blinding revelations of wow that that's. That's a, a different way or a new way to train. Jeez. No, this thank is a God, reminder. Thank God right? we finally figured it out. <laughs> right? We've only no, been we, we've only been doing this shit forever. Um, and again, so but a good point though. Think about this. Um, so it's been over a year uh, of of not doing wet well ops, not doing am, amphibious. Uh, you know, not splashing a tractor off a, off an amphibious ship. Um, how how much leadership and how many Marines have EAS in that time and how many new leaders and new Marines are going to find themselves in that position when we start the engine back up? So I think I think it's it's worthwhile. It's a value to have this this site picture on uh, on on, you know, how how you train to these tasks and how you develop that uh, that collaborative training environment between infantry and, and assault amphibians. Uh, because it is going to be new to some people. Well, but let me, I, I would say this, don't focus on the wrong problem, right? We don't need an updated SOP. We need leaders that will execute the SOP, that will read the orders, that understand what they're supposed to do, right. and, and, and aren't afraid to put their hand up and say, I'm not going to make this, and understand what their jobs are. And so I don't, I don't, I, there's no I article about a TTP that's going to cure that ailment. That's a leader problem. And and so not to click off safe on your on your dumb ass, but um, but okay. No, I, I don't I don't disagree with you. Right. I right. think you have to have. Both. No, and again, I I appreciate the, the the articles and 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 what should happen. But again, um, uh, disturbing trend. And again, not just to pick on one investigation, but it gets really disturbing when you when you stack about four of them next to each other and you yeah. see the same. You know, fundamental errors in a lack of leadership, a lack of supervision, and a lack of accountability. And so, anyway. All right. What's the next one? Uh, next article or the next uh, yeah. uh, next highlight for yeah, you? Yeah, the next highlight uh, for me. Well, um, you know, I would say in that subject area, still still looking at the, uh, uh, you know, at the air ground team, there's a, there's a number of articles on the aviation side. Uh, all, all worth, uh, worth looking at. Um, I think, uh, you know, there's a, we, we've got an article about, uh, uh, really some of the changes in, uh, you know, that technology bring to, uh, aviation maintenance as that, uh, permits more, uh, uh distribution of aviation assets, so, you know, the, the, the thought being is, you know, air, aircraft can go all sorts of places and move all over, but they have to go back to some central location for maintenance and uh, and uh, uh, essentially to keep them keep them up and running. Um, this article, Distributed Aviation Operations by uh, Lieutenant Colonel Drew Bossert, uh, lo- looks at the capabilities that that technology bring to maintenance and maintenance management of aircraft as a way to further distribute. So, you know, essentially relieving the need for a large centralized uh, base uh, or air facility location. Uh, again, looking at the, uh, the requirements of expeditionary advanced base ops. So a, uh, you know, good, good forward looking article there. 
Um, another another article uh, back on the ground side uh, that may uh, may get some folks uh, thinking a little differently is uh, uh, the title is the Fourth Marine Regiment, and it's by uh, uh, Captain Patrick Majeski. Um, a, a very uh, out of the box article, uh, and, and essentially the author's the author's thesis is that um, Fourth Marines uh, as a as a regiment, so uh, the headquarters and the uh, and the battalions uh, should be should be permanently based and deploy from uh, Bridgeport, California, and, and the rationale is that that is the closest uh, uh, analog to. Uh, the environment of the Korean Peninsula, where that regiment is most likely to operate in a in a combat or operational environment. Okay, could you bring uh, me could you bring me up to speed? Does the Fourth Marine Regiment exist still? You have you have a regimental headquarters, yeah. and then you have battalions distributed through uh, uh, the other regiments, the other divisions of the Marine Corps. Got it. So the Fourth Marine Regiment still exists at Camp Schwab. Yeah. Yes, it does. The headquarters. headquarters. I believe it has headquarters. headquarters, and then the 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 separate battalions uh, rotate through um, uh, through First Marine Division. What first, uh, fifth. fifth, and seventh? Yeah. Uh, there's okay. All right. So, well, well, that's interesting. Never heard that before. Yeah. Very, very out of the box. Never, never, uh, never heard that before. You know, not saying that it's a uh, 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 an obvious choice. <laughs> Or a, uh, or even necessarily a feasible choice, but it, uh, it, it certainly uh, is a different way of looking at uh, at the problem, and it, and it dispels some of the rumors, or not rumors, but uh, uh, misconceptions. And there's, you know, there's there's sort of urban legends about there about, you know, Fourth Marines not being allowed to bring their colors back to the United States, yes. and, and those those sorts of historic, uh, uh, um, you what, know, anomalies. What do you mean? That's that's not true. It, it's not true. <laughs> Damn it. You know, didn't we, we did a program. I, was it you and I, what do you want that talked about um, some of the great historical fallacies of the Marine Corps? I don't know if it was you. No, I don't think that was me. I don't think that was me. And they're, they're amazing because nobody <laughs> loves their legends like Marines do. That's um, right. <laughs> yeah, but it was, it was, it was, you know, say it isn't so, right? Are you kidding me? That's not true. Um, how funny. All right, give me another one. So outside the, um, uh, you know, the focus area, the MAGTAF focus area, um, we've got, uh, and you, you mentioned uh, uh, Colonel Van Riper. We have uh, Colonel Jim Van Riper uh, writing on the subject of uh, the ongoing uh, discussions that have we've been We've been publishing for the last uh, last uh, six months or so on maneuver warfare. So a uh, uh, an article by, uh, by by Jim Van Riper, Colonel retired, um, really looking at cleaning up the terminology battlefield. Um, he he as a as a thesis proposes that uh, the misuse of uh, of a lot of terminology is is just adding to the confusion in the uh, the discussion or the debate of the applicability of of maneuver warfare and our our warfighting doctrine uh, in the future uh, so a, uh, a good piece there um, we've got a, a number of articles on uh, strategy and policy uh, and wargaming uh, and then one that you may be uh, 
uh, you may be fairly interested in actually too. So there, we've got an article on legal administration about uh, uh, modernization of the military justice system. Now, this is a little more narrow in scope than what we had been talking about, but it essentially looks at um, cybercrime and uh, and also misuse or or mishandling of classified information in the cyber domain uh, and some changes to the UCMJ that are that are in place right now. Uh, so, so an informative article there for uh, commanders and obviously for everyone who who handles that type of uh, sensitive information. Uh, and then another uh, another article in our our talent management and manpower policy uh, series. Uh, th- this one entitled "The Core's Talent Management System" uh, by Major uh, Antonio uh, Chilo, and it's um, it's essentially looking at the fact that the Marine Corps does not have a talent management system, meaning a a uh, computer-based uh, uh, system for Marines and leaders and those in charge of officer and enlisted assignments and manpower policy to do talent management as a force. Uh, and pointing this out when there are uh, existing uh, off-the-shelf systems that we could be using uh, to do uh, uh, a, a much more transparent and uh, uh, inclusive approach to uh, to talent management and and manpower policies and manpower assignments. So uh, again, good uh, good identification of a of a gap or a or a, a problem with a proposed solution uh, that that really already exists outside the Marine Corps. Uh, so. A good, good piece there as well. I have an email for you. Matt, good morning. Always enjoy Christopher Woodbridge when he comes on. My question for Woody this morning is, where does he see the Gazette in 10 years? It is an integral part of the intellectual discourse that goes on among leaders in the Marine Corps, both officer and enlisted. It is a very important forum. Where does he see the Gazette in 10 years? That is kind of interesting, Woody. Where do you see the Gazette in 10 years? That's, that's a, that's a really good question. And, and one that, uh, uh, actually eats up a lot of my, my mental bandwidth. Um, so, um, I would, I would use the phrase, uh, 10 years, five years next year. Uh, the phrase is yes. And, uh, so, you know, yes, we're going to have a, a print magazine uh, and we're going to be doing more uh, uh, online, both in, you know, within the kind of the traditional bounds of the of the magazine itself, but also branching out into more um, uh, broad professional development resources uh, for Marines and for uh, 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 leaders at at, at at different levels. And that'll include, again, looking out at the, you know, the 10 year mark, uh, building, uh, collections, libraries, uh, uh, whatever you want to, you want to call them building an armory of, uh, uh, intellectual professional development, PME support tools and weapons for Marines and leaders, uh, to use, uh, both in, in unit training and in individual, uh, 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 self-education, and then also for our uh, our schoolhouses, for 
your Marine Corps University and the other formal learning centers to use. Uh, again, using using the Gazette as a as a platform uh, and also as a uh, uh, as sort of the the fuel for these resources. Uh, so drawing on the you know the hundred plus years of archival material, drawing on the current discussion going right now, and then curating, repackaging uh, those those assets to make them more useful to Marines, uh, and then bringing in multimedia as well. Bringing in uh, uh, the the audiovisual archives from Marine Corps History Division to get to get the actual words of uh, uh, some of those some of those Marines uh, those legendary Marines perhaps that we were, uh, uh, can use to help dispel some of the the urban legends and rumors and also to offer uh, a uh, almost a virtual uh, uh, mentoring uh, capability um, you know when you can when you can dial up um, Marines who have leaders who have uh, gone through similar experiences to what what you're uh, doing and what your unit is doing, whether those are tactical situations or or more broadly uh, leadership, uh, behavioral discipline situations, and 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 listen to uh, those those uh, anecdotes and those views uh, historically uh, to kind of build your depth as a leader to give you additional. Uh, reference points, uh, building out more uh, wargaming and tactical decision gaming capabilities, building towards a more uh, a more interactive capability there, uh, again to support the reps and sets that decision makers need. Uh, so uh, a lot of this may sound uh, aspirational, and it is, uh, it has to be, but but that's where I see the Gazette going. The Gazette is. Is really going to be the the foundation and the springboard for a much broader uh, push towards uh, supporting individual Marines and and units uh, professional development and and uh, uh, and education and 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 again the cognitive side of, of decision making and leading. Can you give us an update on where the digitizing efforts are? I know you have, I believe you have a, a, a few of them underway, with, as does the Marine Corps Historical Division. Uh, can you give us an update on that? Well, I, I can, and, and but only to report that uh, that we're still in, you know, in the uh, the developmental phase now. Separate to that, the preservation effort, uh, digitization effort that the History Division uh, is uh, is going on with the. University of, uh, of South Carolina, that's still still underway. Um, I almost look at this as how do I how do I mine that effort in order to create a product uh, to create content uh, that serves the needs of Marines to to push out. And we're still uh, we're still looking to build on the offerings that we've got available now. Got it. Got it. All right. What haven't I been smart enough to ask you about either the Gazette? Um, or uh, this month's issue that you want to make sure people know. Uh, well, out there, out there online uh, for uh, uh, for the May issue, we've got a number of uh, uh, a number of, of web only articles, web extras that are out there. A um, couple I'd uh, I'd point out uh, three really uh, that are uh, two are two are sort of out of the box thinking, uh, if you will, uh, but always always uh, worthwhile to read. Uh, uh, those sorts of things. One one article looks at uh, the uh, the value of having a mar- marine rotational force in India, 
so wow. not not a place where uh, the Marine Corps has has done much uh, training, much bilateral work or presence. Um, and so this is a this is an interesting approach to kind of building on the Marine Rotational Forces Darwin and and Europe uh, uh, approach to to further uh, potentially support regional allies and and counter some of the uh, the malign influence of the uh, of the PRC. Um, and then uh, another another good article uh, uh, titled "Merit Reconsidered," uh, again looking at looking at kind of breaking the culture of seniority and uh, and putting Marines into leadership positions uh, based on how senior they are, vice based on being the best qualified leader. Uh, so this this gets to a little bit of what we were talking about earlier. Um, and then uh, lastly, online, I'd, I'd point out a uh, there's a series of articles um, by uh, uh, Captain last name of Mahoney, who's written a series of very long, very well researched, uh, really historic and extended historical case study of uh, of the uh, the medieval Battle of Agincourt, mm-hmm. but looking at it from a from a fires and a kind of a current capabilities perspective. And uh, we started publishing those back in January, but you'll find the uh, the most recent uh, 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 chapters in that series uh, in April and May. So uh, just just point folks over to uh, to our web resources as well, and then uh, 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 also the ongoing uh, ongoing threads on uh, on the Gazette blog as well. Got it. Uh, what is your uh, what is your editorial about this month? Well, in May, I talk about, uh, again, this uh, uh, focusing on the air ground team. Uh, and, and really, it's, you know, this is this is the, one of the aspects of the special sauce of the Marine Corps. Uh, our ability to do uh, tactical level combined arms uh, is 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 what makes the Marine Corps unique. That is that is the heart of our expeditionary combat power. And so. Uh, it, it needs to take center stage and it needs to be uh, uh, focused on and sustained uh, to include in the context of, uh, of leadership and of uh, uh, changes to force design and, and, uh, and required capabilities going forward. So uh, that's, that's, that's much of what I talk about. And, uh, and then obviously highlight some of, the other, uh, some of the other important content in the magazine as well. I think you should write another column. I think, you know, I think it, it should not be, I mean, the editorial is, you know, is, is the duty of the, right, is the duty of the editor. I think you should just write another column that says Woody says or something like that. <laughs> so an op-ed? Yeah, well, just, I wouldn't even dignify it with that. It, it would be some loosely, this is just what Woody thinks, uh, what Wood would do. What I don't know. Give it some kind of catchy phrase, and and you just unloading, right? Uh, <laughs> your magazine because you're in a you know you occupy a very you know. That's unique... why I come on this show, Mac. <laughs> you know what? I, let me tell you tell you I appreciate it because I tend not to shy away from putting you in shitty intellectual positions vis-a-vis the, your official titled position. So I appreciate your willingness to to do this, and and honestly. We, you're, you're Kenner, because let me tell you, the Marine Corps Gazette historically has been the place, right, where Marines come to talk about shit. 
And 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 again, the Marine Corps that that we were raised in, we're you know, you know, the people that raised us were not afraid to go there. They had lived through, they had fought through Vietnam, they'd lived through Vietnam's aftermath, and uh, you know, and 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 they were no bullshit guys. And if you were not, if you couldn't, if you couldn't cut it, they had no problem with putting a stake through your heart, you know. And so. Um, and so, but the Gazette has always been integral to that discussion. And, uh, so yeah, I don't, yeah, something a little less rigid and formal. Woody <laughs> says, I think, um, uh, yeah. So I'm just, uh, you know, I think it would be the I'll, number, I'll I think it would be the uh, number one read in the magazine. I'm sorry. Say that again. I think it would be the number one read on a <laughs> monthly basis. And you know how you could quantify that, but it would just be Woody says, W O O D Y S E Z dot 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 and then just you know don't worry about the grammar don't worry about any punctuation just you oh. know let it rip just some food for thought food for thought um, no because I think that that the Marine Corps desperately needs uh, what you do and I think uh, I do believe operational discipline is at the root of most of these issues and uh, it is and it is officer operational discipline. And uh, and I think it's a it's a very very uh, critical critical discussion that we uh, that, that that we need to have. And so I think you should you know you can feature it a monthly comment or or five or six uh, relative to uh, yeah you could you could like things I've heard yeah that would be a paragraph <laughs> of it right for non attribution I've heard this I think that's ridiculous I've heard this. I think that's straight up stupid. I mean, come on, Woody. You can already like, hey, did you see what he said this month? You could be that guy. Well, you know, there's a there's a fine line that I have to tread. No, as, there's not. As the come editor, on. no, no, no. This is I, I I hear what you're saying, and and it's certainly uh, it's certainly tempting. Um, but I'll tell you that you know the the interesting uh, uh, balance that I've found has to be struck with the Gazette is. There has to be a balance between what I'll call the um, uh, the debate and 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 discourse function, uh, which which is sometimes where the uh, you know the wild ass ideas come out, where the out of the box thinking comes out. Um, that has to be balanced with what I also call the kind of the public information function, um, which is okay. This this is the Marine Corps' position on this. This is this is what the Marine Corps is doing about that capability or that problem. And so um, where, I, where I find we run into uh, some dilemmas, or I do as, a, you know, as the editor in putting the magazine together monthly, is when, when I don't have a, a balance, you know, where it's, where it's all the wild-ass ideas and there's sort of deafening silence from what I'll call the official side of the Marine Corps on the subject. Yes. Uh, so How, are so you, are you persona non grata because you sponsor this debate that is not always congruent with the official party line of the Marine Corps? So no, like, no, no, I, cause, I, not at all. Cause not I, all. cause I am, they walk in and you see guys go, fuck. I'm like, what? Oh, so-and-so, I didn't like what so-and-so said on your show. Then don't fucking listen, okay? Oh, my friend sent it to me. Let too fucking bad then. Go home. Well, there are, there are sometimes some misconceptions. <laughs> note that, that the Gazette is not, um, is not a publication of the United States Marine Corps. What? Uh, yeah, who, who knew that? 
Yeah, it, it's, it's public. We, we are we are the Marine Corps Association. We are a, a non-federal entity and a nonprofit, uh, you know, service membership association and, and charitable foundation. We we do not uh, fall under the Marine Corps chain of command in 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 any way. Um, but our mission is to be the professional association of the Corps. So there is a a responsibility there, uh, uh, you know, to you know first do no harm and to make the, uh, in the case of the Gazette, you know, make the service uh, intellectually stronger through that exchange of ideas. Uh, you know, that dis, that dis debate, uh, that discord at times um, strengthens you intellectually. So uh, that's, that's really what we're about. But you know, th- no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not PNG. I'm not persona non grata. Oh, I like to think everybody smiles when I, you know, when they see me um, and uh, uh, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're, uh, you know, doing things behind my back. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't claim to say that that might not be the case. We all, uh, we all make friends, we all make enemies, but, uh, you know, again, based on the mission of the organization, the association and the mission of the magazine, um, you know, I, I will, I will always do, uh, the right thing for the service, uh, and for the Marines. Well, there's a balancing act there. Here's another one. Ask Woody about the article written by the former cold weather instructor at Mountain Warfare Training Center. The lack of basic combat skills noted noted in the article should scare everyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, what's interesting about that question is is it's uh, from an artilleryman, right? And uh, we've all had doubts whether they could even read. So, right? Who knew? I mean, that solves that one. I guess they can, or at least some of them can. Well, you know, I mean, we've never had a question that, that they're all wicked good at math, so that's it would stand to reason that they can read. Um, but the uh, yeah, the the article is on entitled "Mountain Fighting." It's by uh, by Mr. David Kirby, as you said, former uh, former uh, um, you know mountain mountain ops instructor at Bridgeport, um, and uh, it is it is concerning uh, what what he notes in this article. Um, again, as far as individual and, uh, and small unit uh, uh, discipline in the mountain environment, which, you know, summer and winter, uh, you can hold up as one of the most demanding environments at the small unit leader level, particularly, particularly winter operations in the mountains, but, but summer as well, again, because of the, the nature of the terrain and the nature of the skill sets that you're employing uh, to, to move effectively in that terrain. Uh, it's, it's a challenge for the small unit leader. Uh, and it is some of the best training, uh, regardless of type of unit, infantry, uh, uh, artillery, engineers, ground combat, and aviation units who bring their own set of, of, uh, of, uh, uh, challenges, uh, employing aircraft at altitude. Uh, so, it's a it's a it's a phenomenal training environment, and it really lays bare um, shortfalls. If they exist, if there's a weakness, you're going to find it training in the mountains. Not a pretty picture. I'm not liking. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm, Ooh, I don't like this. <laughs> I know. I know. Now, when you see stuff like that, that gets to basic. You know, again, you go back to inspecting, supervising, being able to block and tackle, right? 
we don't expect as Marines to be deficient in that. We might not understand the nuance of the desert or or there might be things we have to, to, to brush up on when we go, you know, when we go to sea again. But the basic fundamentals of reading orders, knowing the SOP, making sure we've done the hard work so that we can tackle more complex operations. I, I, I have to tell you, if, if that's a problem now, then, then that's that's a, that's really a concern. And and I will tell you what he my from and again, I, I get around the Marine Corps and I talk, you know, when I do post-medic winning and I speak and. And uh, now, actually, you know, I was out in Pearl Harbor with the Pacific Air Force this past week. Had never been there. And I uh, got a chance to see Pearl Harbor for a few minutes. And, uh, and, and uh, so I get, a, I get around. And I, I will tell you, that's a, that's a concern around the Marine Corps from the leaders that I talk to is the growing lack of b- being able to block and tackle. And um, uh, I, so... Again, I think our discussion today is timely and, and the inward look again, and you're one of the people that, you know, cast that uh, mirror, you know, inward, uh, I think is, is, is really important. And I go back to the deafening silence that, you know, that was heard when General Furness said, we're not disciplined enough. I mean, he got drugged through the street and he got ridiculed and he was absolutely right about it. And, and, and leaders knew it, but nobody would say shit about it. And to me, that's illustrative of, of how you get here, is that if you won't look inward, you know, you're, uh, you're asking for trouble. You're asking for trouble, but anything. All right. Uh, well, let me ask you a Pearl Harbor question. Is there anything about Pearl Harbor that you find uh, fascinating or very, very interesting? I think, um, and, and COVID may have changed this a little bit, but I've spent a fair amount of time uh, uh, in Hawaii and uh, you know both both uh, training, you know when I was when I was in uniform, and uh, you know my wife was my wife was born there. It's uh, wow. Uh, her father was stationed there uh, several times, so it's um, uh, it, it's a, a very uh, very uh, important place to to me and my family. But um, it always amazed me that uh, the the largest demographic of tourist visitors. To Pearl Harbor are Japanese, yeah, and, and you know just 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 folks from Japan on their uh, on their vacations, uh, just 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 clobbering that place to take pictures and and walk around and and it, and it I mean it's 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 it may seem uh, a long time ago, but there's there's just something uh, kind of inherently uh, uh, creepy about that to me. Yeah. No, I, I watched a video um, that um, got into the the attack plan of the Japanese, how they struggled to execute it that day, and ultimately their their failures of in the attack. Even though it was a great tactical surprise, right? Um, well, great oh, no, strategic it, it, surprise, but they did, um, and they matched aircraft with with. You know, and and torpedo runs on different mm-hmm. ships. How many right. times they hit? Um, how many times they hit certain ships, and 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 ultimately, you know, the confusion. And then it, as the second wave attacked, obviously they faced uh, more and more air defense assets. And so it's, it's very interesting, critical look. You know, with now digitized maps and whatnot 
of the of of the attack and and where the Japanese failed. And I I found it I, I found it fascinating to look at it uh, in you know through that lens now. Could have could have been so much worse uh, from a you know looking at it from the from the U.S. from the Navy, uh, Marine Corps, and, and and Army perspective could have been so much more destructive. Um, yeah, it's. It really is fascinating, and and you know there is there is to this day a lot of uh, uh, you know, lingering questions over uh, you know how how much of a strategic surprise it really was, um, but there is no question uh, on the on the Japanese leadership side, the Japanese naval leadership side of recognizing what a bad idea it really was. <laughs> Right. And then, you know, the other thing I thought was interesting is when you get into the whole discussion of why weren't the, you know, oil uh, supplies and the fuel supplies attacked was it wasn't on the Japanese target list because they their assessment was if we hammer the American Pacific fleet, they will sue for peace and this thing will be over in six months. That was their assessment. Yes. Which is, which is, so when you, you go into, you know, that, that criticism, it's like, yeah, well, that, there was a reason that that wasn't on our target list. And you're like, wow. Well, and it's also an example, again, when you're, when you're talking about, uh, you know, uh, strategizing against an adversary, you know, danger of mirror imaging. Uh, And the thing, well, you know, it makes sense. We'd give up if they did that to us. Uh, so of course we'll be successful and they'll sue for peace. Well, no, you, you can't mirror image and you certainly can't try to predict uh, intentions. You can predict capabilities, but you can't predict intentions. And uh, again, the, the naval leadership certainly knew uh, that, they, uh, uh, that they had gotten it wrong and they were waking the sleeping giant and it was not going to end well for them. But that, again, goes back to the internal divisions at the time uh, uh, between the leadership in or among the leadership in Japan. The, uh, the, the Imperial Army essentially were the decision makers, uh, not the Imperial Navy. And, uh, you know, again, there's real, real disconnects there in division uh, on the Japanese side. Yeah, no, it was very interesting. The other thing, just a, a visual observation, was how narrow the channel is at Pearl. And you, when you look across the channel, and I only spent five minutes there because I was, I was working the rest of the time, and I, I made the cab driver stop on our way to the airport. I said, I can't leave without seeing this. And so I run across the lawn to take a picture over the top of a dumpster. And you're looking, and the Arizona was on the back side of, I believe, the Vestal, the USS Vestal. Um, and, and which was, I think was a, uh, I don't know, a destroyer tender or something like that. So there was another ship and it was, it was actually a mooring place for a battleship. So, so if you put another battleship, this side of the Arizona, that's what the, that's what the channel, how narrow it was. And so for those of us that are familiar with San Diego Bay and, and, and Norfolk and, and San Francisco Bay, I mean, Pearl Harbor, tiny, narrow, um, place and then you, you, you know I've manned the rails a number of times coming back uh, into into Pearl you know on the on the back end of deployments and you really get a sense for it if you're on a uh, you know a big deck amphib uh, uh, LHA or or uh, uh, you know that that class Pelu class and that size 
of just how constrained that really is. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you look at it. Um, and so, and so, so it, it's amazing. Interesting, interesting stuff. All right, Woody, first of all, I've taken up too much of your time. I, I always appreciate you coming on and, and I genuinely appreciate appreciate the artful discussion, knowing the August responsibilities you have and and me asking you about, you know, I mean, the commandant's up testifying today on the Hill, I believe. Yep. Um, uh, and that's not going to be a pleasant uh, experience. I, we all know uh, as the Marine Corps struggles, um, you know, to, to, to not only get through, you know, the investigation, but to make sure that we come out of this better and we're solving the right problems. And so, uh, so I appreciate your willingness to always entertain my questions and come on. I, I, I honestly enjoy how having you on and, and everybody enjoys listening to you so thank you very much same here glad to do it always glad to do it all right bud thank you all right thanks out here oh. that is chris woodbridge here on a wednesday um yeah woody <laughs> i put woody in bad intellectual position but again his his job is a perilous one and again you know he does not work for the united states marine corps you know he is not the the marine corps gazette is not the propaganda arm of the United States Marine Corps. It is a professional journal of Marines, and uh, but right, not always, not always black and white, um, and certainly I'm sure there's a lot of gray in all of that. So my thanks to him for coming on today. That'll do it uh, here on uh, on a Wednesday morning Hump Day. If you're just tuning in. You'll hear Chris Chris Woodbridge. Uh, we talk a little bit, or I talk a little bit about the, an article that's in the news today, and that is uh, Eddie Gallagher uh, back in the news saying that, yeah, we meant to kill that guy. And so, um, you know, like most things bad, it just seems never to go away and often to get worse. And, and the Gallagher story uh, is that emboldened by the former president of the United States, Donald Trump. Um, and I would say um, him not being handed um, what many believe, and I probably am in that group, the justice for killing and not caring for an enemy combatant, right, um, has done additional harm to the branch of, uh, of the United States Navy known as uh, Navy SEAL. And so uh, that drama continues to unfold. Anyway, thanks for listening today. I'm Mike McNamara. This is All Marine Radio on the All Warrior Radio Network. Don't be afraid to uh, help somebody. If I can help you, you know how to get a hold of me. Go to allmarineradio.com. All that contact info uh, comes to my phone. Or you can go to posttraumaticwinning.com. And that all comes to my phone as well. So if I can help you help somebody, don't be afraid to reach out. Have a great day. Uh, the Mensa Brothers will be here tomorrow. Actually, Will's flying out here. And uh, so Will and Jeff and I are going to be able to have dinner tomorrow night. So looking forward to that. Have a great day. I'm out.